That's 15. Respect all, fear none. Into the upper deck. Intensity is not a perfect. Oh, mercy. Five, four, three, two, one. Well, that was exciting. Welcome into the Mass and All Access podcast. That was a shocking, uh, surprising, unusual, um, but altogether uh, thrilling. And honestly, without baseball, that was the most exciting baseball-related thing we have all seen. The MLB draft first round just occurred, and the Baltimore Orioles um, shocked the world by taking Heston Kirstad, Kirstad, uh, uh, who is an outfielder from Arkansas, still practicing his name, second overall uh, in the draft. And, of course, the Mass and All Access podcast is brought to you by Royal Farms. Something new is landing at Royal Farms on July 1st. Paul Mancano joined by Brendan Mortensen in our brand-new studios for the Mass and All Access podcast. Just wrapped up our live show. Brendan Heston Kerstad going second overall. We all thought it was going to be Austin Martin. We all thought it was going to be... If not Austin Martin, Asa Lacey, Emerson Hancock, or uh, at, at perhaps the most shocking was Zach Veen. It was none of those guys. It was Heston Kerstad from Arkansas. I mean, pretty much everybody in the room tonight didn't think that Heston Kerstad was going to be the pick for the Orioles, but here we are. I mean, it's, it's literally a pick out of left field, as Kerstad probably projects as a corner outfielder. Thank you. That's my, my first pun of the podcast. I'm very proud of it. But... Kerstad does a lot of things really well, and although most fans will probably be surprised by this pick, should still be excited. He's an exciting prospect, and the Orioles got a good one. Yeah, he is uh, a, a very good hitter. I mean, that is his calling card. He hit in uh, 343 for his career at the University of Arkansas. Um, he had 37 homers, um, to put that in perspective, given the amount of games. Um, 54 homers was the number, the number one overall pick. Um, Spencer Torkelson. Um, so, and, and Austin Martin, though he had developing power and he had uh, 10 homers as a sophomore, which was a jump from his freshman year of one, uh, still finished with uh, about 20 homers in his career. So Kerstad has more power. He's a lefty hitter. Um, and he, 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 look, I mean, the Orioles are certainly deep in terms of outfield prospects at the moment, but you never know who's going to pan out amongst that group. Um, so... They went with the guy that um, some probably they think is their best player available. To be honest, I don't think that Michael Elias. I think money is it could be a factor here, considering they um, were considering going over uh, slot with that number thirty overall pick. But I think honestly, I think this is probably still a best player available deal for Michael Elias here. I think uh, he said that on Monday that. At this point, you just can't take that kind of risk when you only have six picks in this draft. I think they probably thought that Heston Kerstad was the best player available, and we'll hear from Michael Elias later on in the night to confirm that, but I think at the end of the day, I think they just thought that he was a better player than Austin Martin. And, and it's not surprising either. I mean, a lot of you know prospect rankings had Kerstad somewhere in the 10 to 13 range, which sounds like a far way off from two, but when you look at Kerstad's numbers for the 2020 season, he looks like he might have been the best player in the country. I mean, the dude was batting 448. Yes, in the shortened 2020 season, but 
if you're Mike Elias, you might be looking at those numbers and thinking this guy is only trending up. And if yeah. you're looking at those numbers from the 2020 season, he very well could have shot into that top five prospect area. So, I, I mean, even if he's not the number two ranked prospect on most lists, he could have shot up there by the end of the season if the 2020 season wasn't abbreviated. Yeah, I mean, he hit almost 500. Um, and, I mean in 16 games um, in this 2020 season. So, you know, maybe they were projecting more growth here. But, I mean, it is fair to um, to ask the, the questions that a lot of Orioles fans are asking just because, look, the MLB draft is not exactly the uh, NFL or even the MLB or even the NBA draft. You right. know, you just don't hear a whole lot of names unless you're at the top of the draft. I think most fans around baseball just kind of looked at their or looking at their phones in the morning and just saying oh we drafted who okay cool never heard the name before you didn't see these guys play in college typically you know college baseball is not college football it's not college basketball so you don't know a whole lot of guys so I think a lot of Orioles fans probably wake up and say who is Heston Kerstad um, they probably heard the name Austin Martin they probably heard even an Asa Lacey or an Emerson Hancock um, but they have not heard Kerstad's name so it's it's I'm sure the the thinking is, you know, they got it, it, they got cute, um, and I think that could be some concern for Orioles fans. Um, but look, if they think that the guy is the best player available, they're going to take the best player available. Um, and given the lack of information available for these guys this year uh, in 2020, given the fact that they didn't have a full season, um, they went with the guy that they thought was the best player available. I think at that point. Um, so, ultimately, I think that's what it came down to. But I, I do understand why fans are concerned, because, or, or at least questioning uh, the decision-making behind it just because we've heard the name Austin Martin, we've heard about what he can do, um, but they just went with the guy that they, they didn't care about the perception. They just went with the guy they thought was the best guy. And a lot of the rankings, I think, too, I, there was a pretty consensus top five guys, but it, yeah. you were saying, too, especially in a shortened 2020 season, there could be a lot of fluctuation in how teams are evaluating these guys. And when you look at Kerstad, I mean, he does a lot of things really well, yeah. and he's an exceptional hitter. I know he's not the best fielder on the planet. That's not really his scouting report. But the dude is a massive lefty power bat that could be somewhere in the middle of the Orioles lineup in a few years. I'd look at him and maybe think he could be a Jock Peterson type at the next level. He, he kind of seemed to have that same type of swing. He does strike out a lot. His coach at Arkansas said he can improve his plate recognition, but he's a fantastic hitter, and I think he'll develop well as he moves on. Yeah, I think, honestly, there may have been, um, from what I had heard from behind the scenes, it, going back to Austin Martin, not to harp on it too much, but um, he moved around the field a lot, um, and part of that was because he was um, defensively versatile. Um, and I think that that is what Tim Corbin, his coach at Vanderbilt, tried to sell it as, certainly to teams. And that's that's one way you could look at it. But I think it's not out of the realm of possibility, just based on what I heard, that um, there were some concerns about Austin Martin and where he might fit ultimately defensively. Um, he played every position on the field except for pitcher and catcher his freshman year. Uh, his sophomore year, uh, he played um, mostly in the infield. Could, had some exposure to center field as well um, and played third base uh, for the majority of the 2020 season. But there were certainly concerns, of, concerns about his arm um, and being able to get the ball over to first, which if you're going to be a third baseman, that, that just can't be a concern. Um, 
And, and it can't be a concern if you're a center fielder either. I mean, you, whether you have the speed or not, um, that just can't be – you have to be able to throw base runners out and get the ball into the infield. So, honestly, I think that might have been a legit consideration. And even though Heston Kerstad is, a, is probably going to be in a corner outfielder, which is a less valuable position than a third baseman, than a center fielder, if he can play it better and they don't have to ask the questions of where is this guy fit, um, that might have be a safer pick, honestly. Right. And if you want to talk about value in positions, if the Orioles looked at Austin Martin and said, this dude's going to play second base, second yeah. basemen are the least drafted first-round picks in the MLB. Yeah. Even less so than first basemen. I mean, we see how the value of those positions drops. Spencer Torkelson was a first baseman coming out of Arizona State. Was he, though? Because he was announced well, as a third was. baseman, Brendan. He did. I, that was, <laughs> why did that happen? Was, did somebody did like somebody with the Tigers like slip him a note uh, and say, <laughs> can, they, can you just announce him as a third baseman? Just well, because? Honestly, I think the value of a third baseman that can hit that well is just way higher than a first baseman that can hit that Are they that just trying well. to make the pick look better? That's my thing. I like, don't know how you would even make a Spencer Torkelson pick look better because it was already the best pick they could have made. But yeah. I mean, he's a, if he is a third baseman, that's a huge projection. But anyway, right. yeah. But if Austin Martin is truly a second baseman, yeah. then his value dips a lot. And we were talking about you know possibly his value in center field and third base, and if there's concerns about his arm, like you were saying, if he can't play those two positions... Yeah he all of a sudden becomes way less valuable. And you're looking at a guy like Kerstad, who has a comparable bat. I mean, you look at the batting average, Kerstad has better power numbers. So if you're just comparing it there, and then all of a sudden, if Kerstad is playing left or right field, and that's more valuable to you than second base, maybe Kerstad was just higher on the board. It's certainly a possibility. Yeah. I mean, I... The, the, The numbers are certainly there. I just don't know if he was considered the same... I mean... Austin Martin was considered the best offensive talent overall in this draft by many. I mean, he hit 392 um, as a sophomore um, in the SEC. Um, And and honestly, like, I I think one of the more underrated things about Austin Martin was his speed on the base paths. Right. Um, He was a base-stealing threat, and he was described as a a great base runner as well. Um, They just, I mean... Um, we've talked to Michael Elias in the past, and he's talked about, you know, it's not necessarily about having the five tools. It's about having one or two tools that can get you over the top. You know, there's, I, I feel like um, the common thread in terms of baseball wisdom and scouting wisdom has shifted in that way. Because I feel like years ago, so many guys would just say, oh, this guy's a five-tool guy. I, I've seen he can hit. I've seen he can hit for power at, in flashes. I've seen he can run. I've seen he can uh, throw in the outfield. But can he put them all together? You know? And if one tool is not um, superb, he might not be able to put them all together. He might just be an average player, uh, which is the reasoning behind Spencer Torkelson being taken number one, is because his hitting was so good, it did not matter how he was in the other five tools, in the other four tools. His power was that much off the board. So... Maybe they think that the power, like there was no one skill for Austin Martin that stuck out. I'm, I'm just speculating on what they were thinking. You know, maybe they thought that the, the hitting for contact was not a, a projectable skill or it wasn't as valuable as Hessen Kersad's power might have been. Um, 
just speculating on what they could have thought, but we know that uh, Mike Elias said that you know the, he was going to get his guy and he was going to um, get somebody he thought had projectable skills at the next level. And the thing with Kerstad too, if we're going to look at some negatives to this pick, Arkansas coach Dave Van Horn said that his pitch recognition was not great. And that's what he said in his conference call also right. with reporters. And Kerstad struck out 65 times yeah, in 2019, 55 times the year before. So you're looking for that to improve, certainly. And, and if you're Michael Elias and company, you're thinking that that's something that Kerstad will be able to hammer out in the minor leagues. But the power should be able to translate. So yeah. hopefully if you can get those strikeout numbers down, get the plate recognition up, he could be a power guy at the next level. But even if not, I mean, there are a lot of guys in the league right now that are just big home run strikeout guys. Yeah. And even if you get one of those, if his plate recognition doesn't improve all that much, you'll still take a big home run, big strikeout guy in the middle of the lineup. Yeah. And, and at this point, look, the, the um, negativity the, uh, behind the strikeout is much less than it was. Right. You know, teams are much cooler with guys striking out. Um, than they would have been so long as they bring power. I think of a guy like uh, George Springer, um, who was taken back in the first round by the Houston Astros, Michael Elias' former organization, uh, out of high school, and was had the same questions coming out of high school. And then his first couple years in pro ball had a ton of strikeouts, really struggled in that area as a young dude, um, had uh, it, it low A ball, um, struck out 156 times Ooh. his first year in pro ball back in 2012. That's a lot And of then times. 161 times the year after that, um, and they were able to fix something. So maybe, maybe they see a potential George Springer, another outfielder who was taken um, by the Astros. Maybe that's another comp, potentially. Um, and the comp that we've also heard is Kyle Schwarber um, from the Cubs, who I believe was a catcher. Yeah, he was, he, was a, he was a catcher coming out of yeah. college, but he really wasn't a great defensive catcher. Yeah. So the Cubs just kind of assumed, all right, you'll play somewhere. Right. But another guy who, at the pro level at least, strikes out a ton. Um, and, you know, that it, he has a ton of power, but that could be his one weakness. So I see similarities there as well. But you're right. The strikeout guys aren't seen in the way they are before. I mean, Eugenio Su- yeah, Suarez re- led the league in strikeouts this season. And he also hit almost 50 home runs. Right. So you'll take that, yeah. certainly, as the Reds. And I think the Orioles would take that without a second thought. Yeah. So the Orioles also made, we should talk about their other pick, uh, number 30 overall. Um, because I think a lot of people were expecting them to go over slot and potentially take uh, in a pitcher. We were thinking about Jared Kelly, mm-hmm. uh, the high school uh, pitcher who was maybe the best high school pitcher in the draft. Instead, they go with an infielder. So... Instead of taking the infielder in the first with their first round pick, uh, with their competitive balance round pick, they go with Jordan Westberg, shortstop from Mississippi State. He's six three, right-handed hitter, um, had not been drafted uh, out of coming out of high school, um, but solid uh, hitting tools. One of those guys that is more of a five-tool guy. Um, you know, he's he's solid all around, um, has a great arm, um, but not not particularly outstanding in any one uh, skill, but maybe they're seeing, okay, we just got a discount <laughs> um, uh, Austin Martin or Nick Gonzalez with our pick at number 30. So we got the guy we wanted at number two, and we got a, a guy that we think might have comparable skills at number 30. 
right? And his, his double playmate, Justin Foskey, went 14th overall in the Rangers. And a lot of scouts were thinking that Westberg might actually have a higher ceiling than Foskey. So it's kind of surprising that Foskey went that early and Westberg falls to 30. But it's an interesting pick as well, considering the Orioles took Gunnar Henderson last year in the second round. Yeah. Second straight draft where the second pick is a shortstop. So the Orioles loading up on the middle infield. Yeah, they love to go up the middle. That's what we learned last year with their picks. Um, you know, Kyle Stowers um, is center fielder. They took pretty early on. Um, it's, it's a position that they think if you can't, if maybe a guy can't stick there for a long term, you know, if Jordan Westberg maybe isn't a long-term shortstop because it's so hard to be a shortstop at the next level, maybe he can transition to third base, second base. Um, you know, they take the guys with those skills um, in the hope that, you know, even if they don't work out at that particular position, they'll be fine defensively at those other positions. Um, so you see that in a Jordan Westberg. I mean, Westberg was just very, um, kind of like Foscu, I mean, just a, a very solid player. Um, hit uh, almost 300. Not a whole lot of power um, in 2019 with Mississippi State. Was off to a great start in 2020 with 317 average. Um, might be able to add some more strength as he goes. Um, had a very productive summer in the Cape Cod League. So um, just another up-the-middle guy. And, of course, like, you hope that a Gunnar Henderson works out, but, like, you take as many of these guys as possible and hope that just one of them pans out. Right, and I think the common theme here with Kerstad and Westberg is that, to put it as simply as possible, they've both shown that they're consistently good baseball players. As simple as that sounds. They've both had multiple seasons of consistently yeah, good baseball, and it, it sounds simple, but when you're drafting guys, especially in a shortened draft... You want the guys who have shown consistency and consistent improvement at that, and that's what both of these guys have shown. Yeah, I mean, it's they took two guys that very little projection is required, um, and that typically happens with the older guys. I mean, they didn't go with you know high schoolers, um, where that typically is where you see the biggest amount of projection. But we saw there, there were got plenty of guys um, that weren't even high schoolers that you still had to see some projection. Um, with, you know, I think of some of the pitchers that were on the board at that point. Um, some, and, and, you know, a lot of guys that you get a collegiate arm at number 30, odds are either he wasn't very productive, like tr tremendously productive, or he had injury concerns. Um, and that's why he's not a first-round pick. So they went with two guys that I think are, are more solid at this point. So they have four picks remaining um, in the rest of the draft, and then they have the $20,000 limit on uh, undrafted free agents. I think they have a pretty strong case to make to guys um, to say that they are an organization that you can rise pretty quickly. Not a whole lot of spots set at the major league level, obviously, so um, you might be able to push these guys up. But I'll tell you, Heston Kerstad makes that outfield group in the Orioles farm system all the more interesting. You already had Yusniel Diaz. You already had Austin Hayes at the major league level. Um, even DJ Stewart, Cedric Mullins, um, there was Ryan McKenna. There was a group of guys already, and even Ryan Mountcastle. He might be a left fielder long term. There's a group of guys already that were projectable major leaguers in the Orioles uh, system in terms of outfielders. So to add this guy to the mix, um, who knows when he, he'll be up, obviously, but it makes it just an even more exciting group in terms of their outfield.
No, absolutely. And, and like you were saying, I mean, not everybody is going to pan out at the major league level. Yeah. So the Orioles are giving themselves the best chance possible to have a solid outfield. You know, if it is Hayes, Kerstad, and possibly Mountcastle, Diaz, I mean, you don't know. Any of these guys could pan out, and that's what you're looking for if you're the Orioles. And you're loading up at the middle of the infield, too. We know how valuable of a position shortstop is. Now you've got two potential guys who could be starters down the line in Gunnar Henderson and Jordan Westberg that you've drafted the last two years. Just loading up on the chances that some of these guys will be productive Major League players. Yeah, and... They have uh, four other opportunities to, mm-hmm. to make their picks. I think my favorite moment of the night tonight, Brendan, might have been when Steve Molesky, during our live show, had to ask how to pronounce Hessen <laughs> Um <laughs> I mean, just just a shocker. I mean, yeah. I uh, I was pretty flabbergasted when the pick was made live on TV, and and you can you can tell. I think you can tell. I was uh, yeah. I th- I was like, that's the guy from Arkansas, right? Like, yeah. I, and I didn't want to say it because I didn't want to be wrong. Um, but uh, I think we we're all expecting. I had some scripts written for some other guys. Let's yeah. Just say. Yeah. I mean, uh, throughout you, you the week, did, you did some graphics. A few, a few graphics for. You did about thirty some graphics. Guys yeah. About no, you. You did a ton of graphics and none yeah. of this guy. Yep. Yeah. Well, we had one. Yeah. We had one. You had one graphic least. in there. Yeah. Um, but I mean, we were joking throughout the week too. Where? Yeah. If, oh, there's rumblings about Kerstad. Ah. Yeah. Nah, they won't take him. They did. They did. They did. They did. Um. But look, that's another example of the inside. The war room is a whole lot different from the outside. And uh, uh, look, the next pick was the pitcher out of Minnesota, Max Meyer, who yeah. was projected maybe as a top 10 pick, but same exact, he was the ninth overall prospect, according to MLB Pipeline, and was taken by the Miami Marlins with that third pick. So he was the first pitcher off the board right. ahead of Emerson Hancock and Asa Lacey, both guys, I thought, could be in play for the Orioles' number two pick. Um, and they had Austin Martin sitting on the board for them if they wanted to go with an infielder. So there were su- surprises abound um, in that first round, and especially in that top ten. Some guys fell that we never could have imagined, and uh, uh, we should mention that Austin Martin was taken fifth overall by the Blue Jays. So it's just not it's, – it's, it, it, we see it in the, MLB, in the NFL draft. We see it in the NBA draft. Our projections – our kind of echo chamber of mock drafts and everybody's repeating the same picks over and over again is very different from what happens inside the room. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Austin Martin might have been, like, penciled in in very dark pencil to number two to the Orioles, but Asa Lacey to the Marlins was basically Sharpie. I mean, pretty much everybody had that dude projected to the Marlins. They go with Max Meyer. I don't think anybody had projected to the Marlins. And like you said, it, it really goes any way that they wanted it to. And, I mean, with the Orioles' next four picks, what are you thinking here, Paul? Probably I would have think to get they, a pitcher at I some think, point, yeah, right? I, I would think they would load up on arms at this point. I mean, um, obviously that's the strength of the, the farm system at this point is pitchers, but um, I would think that they would have to get – this draft is twice the draft that last year's was in terms of college arms. There are so many more guys. I mean, not a, not a single pitcher was taken – in the top 10 in last year's draft. Um, and you saw two guys, maybe three, that had the potential to be a number one overall pick um, in this draft. And it's just deeper. Um, so I think uh, uh, they're probably going to take at least one uh, college arm. They still have 39. That would be my guess is where they go. And honestly, maybe because it was deeper in terms of pitchers, 
that's added to why they didn't go with a pitcher at number two or 30 is because we can, we'll, we'll get the guy that we want now, and then we'll worry about the pitchers later. Well, so there's still, I, I could, but I could see them going pitcher for the last four picks. And there's still a lot of good pitchers available as yeah. we wrap up the end of the first competitive balance round. Jared Kelly, the high school pitcher, yeah. who a lot of people said the Orioles might be targeting at 30 as an right. overslot guy, is still available. I he, mean, he's by far the best player on the board. He could be an option at 39. He would be way overslotted, but it would be a great pick. Uh, yeah, I mean, if they can, the, the, the question is signability. And when guys, right. especially when guys in, in high school fall that far, that, that's typically what it is. So maybe his asking price was crazy, um, but who knows? I mean, maybe, maybe that's something that they could take a chance on. It, it helps that they had three picks in the top 40 because you can take a chance on a guy like that. Potentially, um, it's not like you have one pick, one first round pick, and that's it for another forty picks. And then you have to nail that pick, um, and you have to sign him. Most importantly, so um, yeah, interesting, interesting first round. Yeah, um, not nearly the length of the draft that we are used to, five rounds in total. But the rest of the draft will continue and wrap up tomorrow, and we will have full coverage of that as well on all of our social feeds, as well as MassInSports.com. Um, but for now, we want to hear from you. What do you think of Heston Kerstad going to the Orioles number two overall? Of course, you can catch the Mass and All Access podcast on Spotify, SoundCloud, Apple Podcast, Google Podcast. Watch it on YouTube. Watch it on the Mass and All Access Facebook page. Pretty much wherever you get your podcast, you can get the Mass and All Access podcast. And today's podcast was brought to, you, brought to you by Royal Farms. Something new is landing at Royal Farms on July 1st. Thanks so much for tuning in. Late night here in the studio, so we're going to head home. Brendan Mortensen is him. I am Paul Mancano. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you later.